So if you find one of these um, red Bibles nearby, then I'd love you to find your way to page 1220, Peter's first letter, um, and into chapter 4 of that. This is a letter to a church under pressure, church that has experienced suffering and trials uh, and opposition. Uh, So not a bad letter to be in uh, after a year that has involved uh, uh, lots of of hardship and struggle uh, in different ways for us. Um, And we're just going to look at uh, five verses there um, in 1 Peter chapter 4. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 7. The end of all things is near. Therefore be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So there you go, just just five verses. And they're verses that contain, in a sense, one fact and a whole series of resulting instructions. Peter here has things to say about our praying and our loving, about offering hospitality, about speaking and serving, about using the gifts that we have received. A whole, whole little volley of instructions for us about what it looks like uh, to be the church of God together. Uh, and we'll get to all of those um, in a moment. But don't overlook the fact on which all of these instructions are based. It's there right at the very beginning of this section in verse 7, where Peter begins, the end of all things is near. And you might think, really? Didn't Peter write this nigh on 2,000 years ago? Is that slightly awkward? The end of all things in near, it doesn't seem to have been, does it? Well, I think in a sense what this verse is pointing towards is the, is the sense that, that there's nothing else left to happen before the end. That in the unfolding plan of God, His his great overarching scheme for salvation, for the redemption of the world, for for the establishing of a new heavens and a new earth, there's only one thing left to be done. Everything else that God needed to do to redeem His world, well, it's been done. And very specifically, um, the closing climactic events that have been accomplished through Jesus Christ. So that Jesus has come and has lived the perfect life that we should have lived but haven't done. And Jesus has died a sacrificial death on the cross, taking the punishment 
that ought to be ours. And Jesus has risen again as the first fruits of, of the new creation that God is at work to establish. And, God, and Jesus Christ has ascended to God's right hand in glory, gone ahead of us uh, to where he will come back to take us. All of that's been done. All of that's been accomplished. All of that's been completed. And now, just one more thing, which is for him to return and usher in the new heavens and the new earth. And in that sense, the end is near because there's nothing else that needs to happen until that great climactic day. And I think the other sense is that, as all of us know, the end is near in a more personal sense because life is short and death is real. That's something that has become clearer to many of us uh, over these past 12 months or so, clearer to us as a nation here in the UK over these last 12 months or so, clearer to the whole world. The end is near. It, it, it's something like Peter saying, uh, listen, we're, we're kind of into, into the last few minutes of a football match, and the scores are tied, and so what happens now really matters. We're just coming towards the end of the exam, and there's still a couple of questions to answer. How are you going to use the time? Uh, listen, it's, it's almost time to jump in the car and, and drive to the airport and get on the plane and go on that trip. Just a few minutes left, finish packing. It's got that sense. The end is near. What are you, you going to do? How are you going to use this time? This is not a time to, to kind of drift uh, and sort of go a bit casual. No, 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 no. The end is near. The moment is coming. The final whistle is about to be blown. The invigilator is about to say, put down your pencils. You don't use pencils anymore in exams, do you? But never mind, you get the idea. You don't, no. I've got a teacher saying, no pencils in exams. Uh, and that's the sense of it. So, so because the end is coming, because the final moment is about to arrive, well, use these moments. Be clear about the urgency of the situation. Get on. It's not a time to drift. Not a time to be casual. Not a time uh, to forget what is about to happen. And at a spiritual level, uh, Peter then has for us this whole series of instructions. I've heard them described as, as rather like the, um, the vital signs of a church. You know how, how medics um, go, go about the, the vital signs. Check how somebody's doing. Take your pulse. Take your blood pressure. Shine a little light in your eyes. Pupilly constricty business. Um, yeah, vital signs. How are they? What's the health of this person? Well, uh, this is kind of a bit like that. Vital signs. What's the health of the church? How are you doing uh, on these measures? So let's check. I've, I've boiled them down, as it were, just to three. Uh, here's number one. Pray pray. Be alert and of sober mind, Peter writes, so that you may pray. The, the, the sense is, it'll be clear-headed. You know, be sober, don't be drunk. Be focused, don't be foggy. But be something like a soldier on the front line. You know, you're right at the forefront of the battle, so stay in touch with headquarters. 
or you're some sort of a, you're a social media fanatic. Don't allow yourself to get disconnected. Terrible business. You want to be doing your social media. Don't get disconnected. In fact, come to think, can you cast your mind back, those of you who are kind of techno people, and that's probably most of us nowadays, isn't it? When was the last time you, you, you went out and forgot your mobile phone? It just wasn't there, and you couldn't go back and get it. Or the, or the last time you were, you were in a place where there was no, no mobile signal, no Wi-Fi. Beth and my wife and I had a, had a holiday up in the Highlands, uh, stayed in a lovely cottage, had no idea till we got there. No mobile signal, no Wi-Fi. And so we experienced what the psychologists have now identified as disconnection anxiety. It's a new syndrome coming upon us. Um, it's described in this way, a persistent and unpleasant condition characterized by worry and unease caused by periods of technological disconnection from others. There it is. You experience disconnection anxiety? Wouldn't it be good if we felt that way about prayer? Wouldn't that be good? If prayerlessness created in you and me disconnection anxiety, which I'm going to define as a persistent and unpleasant sense of unease because we haven't remembered to pray. That'd be a good thing, wouldn't it? If, if not praying felt as uncomfortable to us as being without our mobile phone. It's a rather sad thing that I guess for many of us, it's being without our mobile phone that would give us a sort of uncomfortable sense. And forgetting to pray, well, that's just one of those things. So verse, first vital sign. Pray. Be alert and of sober mind so that you can pray. Be a vital sign of any church, of any Christian believer. Second vital sign, love. Actually, come to think, we, we, I mean, we could have made this our first heading, couldn't we? Because... Peter introduces it by saying, above all, love each other deeply. Here's, here's, here's my number one, Peter seems to be saying. Above everything else, love each other deeply. And, and the word, the, the, the deeply word here, is it's a really strong word. It's a kind of straining word. It's a sort of stretching word. Sort of word you might use of a, of a horse at full gallop with its legs sort of reaching out, every muscle strained to race ahead. That's what Paul is saying. That's what Peter is saying. A church's love should be like. Not, not an easy love, not a relaxed love, not a casual love, uh, but a full-on love, straining to do it well. And a key feature of that love will be that this love forgives. See this next phrase of Peter's? that love covers over a multitude of sins. In other words, this is, a, this is an overlooking love. This is a making allowances love. This is a not holding grudges love, a patient and forgiving love. So that when things crop up in relationships, when things crop up in church life, that the instinct of this church that loves each other deeply is just let it be, just pass on by. Not going to make a big thing about that. Because the instinct 
is to forgive. It's a love, in other words, that is God-like. Uh, it's been said that we are never more like God than when we are forgiving. Do you think about that for a moment? It's, it, it's a kind of forgiving that doesn't depend upon somebody coming to you in abject sorrow and pleading your forgiveness. It doesn't depend upon somebody sorting themselves out, putting everything right, and then saying, look, I've, I've sorted everything out, could you forgive me now? Because that's not the way that God forgives us, is it? God hasn't forgiven you, and he's not forgiven me because of the quality of our apology or because of the enormously hard work we've done in, in, in sorting ourselves out and putting ourselves sort of in, in sort of sharpening ourselves up. No, he just forgives. It's what he does. His initiative from the very beginning. He began it. He does it. He completes it. It's all of him. Forgive like that. Love covers over a multitude of sins. It's only too eager to just let things pass. It's what it wants to do. And, and without that kind of love, our community will be grumpy and cold. It'll be judgmental and harsh. It'll get divided and disturbed. But with this quality, with this manner of deep love that covers over a multitude of sins, uh, our community will be warm and generous. Be a very welcoming place to be. Be a joyful place to be, because it's lovely to be forgiven. And it'll be a united community, deeply attractive to anyone who gazes into it. That, that's how big a difference forgiveness makes. But let's not kid ourselves by imagining that such forgiveness is easy. No, no forgiveness costs the forgiver. We only need to look at the cost it was to Jesus Christ to know how costly forgiveness is. Our forgiveness of one another within a church community, it's not going to cost us as much as Jesus. But it will cost. Being like God, to, to, to find a way past hurts. I don't know, maybe you're in Pathfinders and someone posts something unkind online. Somebody ignores you. Well, to take the decision to say, do you know, I'm just going to walk past that. I'm not going to let that disturb my friendship. I'm just going to press on. I'm going to go on being friendly regardless. Uh, that would be a costly thing to do. But it would be a godlike thing to do. It would be a Christian thing to do. Here is a love that covers over a multitude of sins. And, and then Peter adds on a, another phrase here, and he says that, that this love will also be demonstrated in gifts of hospitality. Uh, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. That's a nice little phrase, isn't it? When are they going? How many people? No. No, no. Offer hospitality without grumbling. Great, they're coming. Wonderful. Actually, the, the word hospitality here is, uh, the, the original word literally translates stranger love. Isn't that good? Do you like that? Stranger love. That's what this hospitality means. 
noticing somebody that I don't know uh, and connecting with them in some ways. I mean, it just could be a friendly conversation on a Sunday, couldn't it? Uh, you might have just done it just now. You overcame your social awkwardness and you, you said hello to the person beside you or, uh, or behind you. Introduced yourself. That was stranger love. Somebody you didn't know and you made them feel a little bit welcome. That's hospitality. That'll do. It happens over coffee later on. See somebody you've never seen before and make a point of going to introduce yourself, saying hello. That's what makes a community hospitable as opposed to cliquey and unwelcoming. For, 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 for a teenager, it might be being aware that somebody else engrafted in our youth group uh, you know, finds it really difficult to arrive on a Friday night on their own. And so you think, well, do you know, I could, um, I could arrange to meet them in advance and then we could arrive together. That would make it easier for them. That's a different kind of stranger love, that they feel like a stranger to the group, and you're overcoming their sense of being a stranger in that way. There's loads of ways of doing it. It might be in a small group, if you're in one of our small groups, and somebody's joined your small group, and you're quick in there. It's great you've joined our small group. Why not come round, meet for coffee, go for a walk? I'd love to get to know you a bit. Stranger love doesn't need to be complicated. It's more about attitude than it is about performance. That the person or the family that, that, that stages some magnificent, grand, once-a-year banquet may have a reputation for hospitality, but I don't think that's really what Peter's got in mind here. I think it's much simpler, much more straightforward, much more ordinary and everyday. So first pray. Second, love. And then a third vital sign uh, of church life, speak. According to Peter, every believer, every Christian believer has been given by God gifts. Each of you, Peter writes, should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Now, we know about gifts. Uh, gifts, we're, we're, we're all over that. Um, it's September, that means I can start mentioning Christmas uh, at this point. Yeah, I mean, Christmas is gifts, isn't it? We, I mean, we know how that works. In the morning on Christmas Day, we receive our gifts, and in the afternoon on Christmas Day, we long for people to leave us alone so we can play with our gift, however old we are. That's what we think of gifts, and, and how wrong are we? That's not the way it works with the gifts that God gives to us, because the gifts that God gives are not a gift for me, oh, I've got this, I'm going to have some great fun with this. No, 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 I've got this. Who does God want me to serve with this gift? That's what Peter's saying here. That's why God gives you a gift as a Christian believer, to work out how you can use it, uh, within the church family that God has placed you. And the particular gift that uh, Peter highlights is the gift of speech, which he says uh, is about declaring the very words of God. Now, 
only a, a relatively small number of us, um, kind of obviously, um, get to exercise that speaking gift um, by delivering a sermon, uh, a talk from the front like this. Few more of us get to use that kind of a gift uh, in leading a Bible study, maybe. But every single one of us gets to use this gift of speaking in conversation. Just ordinary. Just to one another. Sometimes that'll be in the form of words of encouragement to somebody who is a fellow believer. Just, just something of all that God has done to, to act as encouragement to them. But I think we could also bounce on from here and say that sometimes our speech as a believer will be speaking words of explanation to a not-yet-believing friend. We don't need to be brilliant at that, just explaining why Jesus matters to us, why, why, why church is important to us, how it is that we came to believe in the first place. What difference it's made to us uh, over the years since then. Just explaining, just speaking. Just speaking about my experience, your experience, uh, of being a Christian disciple to somebody who doesn't know much, if anything, about being a Christian disciple or the faith in which we have placed our trust. So there they are, three vital signs uh, of church. Praying, loving, and speaking. Uh, in a moment, David and I are going to think about some of the ways, uh, some of the more specific ways these are getting expressed um, in our church at the moment, and we trust um, in the year ahead. Um, but, but before we jump into that, I, I wonder if we might just take a pause, um, and either on your own or just chatting with the person alongside, which of these three vital signs feels most urgent to you at the moment? Uh, you could answer that in, in, in one of two ways. Or you could say, you know, maybe you know Christchurch, and you're thinking, well, actually, the thing that feels most urgent to, about our church, about us, corporately, um, feels like this one. Um, or maybe you could answer it more personally, um, as we together look at God's Word to us in Peter's first letter. What, what strikes you? What is God pressing upon you of these three uh, that would be particularly important for you at this point? So just, just, just take a few moments, talk to, to somebody nearby, or think on your own, uh, your answer to that question just now.
Um, let, let me draw us back. Good things, good things to, to talk about. And uh, let me just say thank you. If, you. if this is the first time you've come and you've just landed in on this, thank you for joining in with us as we think as a church family about these things together. Uh, Steve said, we, we just want to really not do anything new, but just, just touch on for a little bit with each of those three areas. Uh, some of what that might mean uh, for us for, for, for the year ahead. As we're thinking about uh, loving one another, uh, as, we, as we think about that, it, it's been great coming back together, hasn't it? Uh, as we, we see the relationships, being able to connect with one another, Pathfinders grafted, uh, the rest of us uh, even coming on Sundays. Uh, it's a wonderful blessing. We've missed that. Uh, for uh, the past year, 18 months, being able to do that regularly, even when we could very distance. And in some ways, our small groups have carried lots of the relational weight uh, in our church family, meeting, uh, meeting together. Uh, from time to time, uh, friends from other churches have, have asked, how have your small groups been going? And it's been a joy to be able to, be able to say, but hard at times, really good, really encouraging, um, that people have kept on meeting together. It's been one of the main ways I think we, we love one another over the past 18 months. You might not have thought it that way as you head to Pathfinders when you were doing it, zooming in online or grafted or in your small groups. Uh, you might not have thought of it that way as loving one another, but other people seeing your face or having a comment from you really will have felt it that way. And we want to pray that we'll keep being committed in this way as a church family. It's no small thing to love one another like this. But also in the year ahead, there's a, there's a couple of other areas that we're, we're wanting to grow in. You'll be aware, I'm sure, that many have struggled over this past uh, 18 months. Um, it's just kind of accelerated that. Uh, some have faced challenges uh, that require a little bit more help, uh, some more inputs into them. Uh, and so one of the things we've, we've wanted to, to set up, we've begun to set up, is, is what we're calling the pastoral care team. Uh, Steve and Rachel have been meeting with a group of others and beginning to work on that. Uh, this will be, well, a pastoral care team that are able to, to meet with people uh, and talk through uh, maybe some additional struggles and difficulties they're having as Christians uh, in the discipleship, all sorts of things. Just to have people who can meet with you one-to-one uh, talk through those things. And we'd love you to pray for that. We'd love to be a church family who grows in this way with bigger issues that come up and we're, we're equipping one another uh, to serve and love in, uh, each other in this way. So the pastoral care team talking through issues with people, do pray for that. And then as well as that, over the past five years, if you've been with us, if you've not, then this might be new to you, but if you've been around for at least the past five years, you know we've been more intentional in our support of something called Biblical Counseling UK. That is a national ministry that seeks to offer Christ-centered counseling to those in need through the local church. Uh, he's been doing that in all sorts of ways. Steve, who's vicar here, also heads that up. And as a, a church family, because we, we made the decision to, to want to encourage that ministry and get behind Steve with that, we've arranged things in, in such a way, staff team-wise and church-wise, uh, church so that Steve will have time to give to that. Uh, and that's something we want to keep doing uh, this year ahead and the years ahead to, to free up some and maybe a bit more of Steve's time 
to, to give to that and working with others who do that. And it feels like as it grows by God's grace, uh, BC UK can be a blessing from here uh, to the church more widely, a way for us to, to love the wider church, uh, to love one another in that, that wider way. So that's, that's something we're going to be continuing with. And then I guess it personally as well, as, as well as those things, pastoral care team, biblical counseling, things we might organize to do, it, it rests, doesn't it, on, on just what we're like and what we've been hearing about as a church family, that we grow in this one another uh, love. Those other things come out of that. It is interesting, I'm, I'm struck by that, of all the places that Peter could have landed on, hospitality is one of the things he mentions, not fancy entertaining doesn't have to be that. It's just welcoming someone into our lives, into our homes. Those of you in Pathfinders, who you could see to say, come and sit with us. Uh, that kind of welcoming. Uh, but there's some of the ways we hope to grow and that God will grow us uh, over this year. Steve. Uh, thank you, David. Um, so let's move to the second of those, of those three areas. Speak. Um, I don't know how that, how that was for you as you sort of thought through, you know, which of these feels most urgent or which presses itself upon you. It's a silly question, really, isn't it, in a sense? I mean, they're all, you know, of course, they're all important, praying and loving and speaking. Um, but um, as I reflected on that, it, it, is, it is speaking, um, and particularly the, the, the outward um, evangelistic speaking uh, that I find um, God is pressing upon me. Uh, most over, over this little period of time. Um, and I think, he's, I think he's done that in a couple of ways just recently. I was at a um, conference Monday, Tuesday, and just about the best thing uh, that I went to there was a, was a seminar um, uh, led by a guy down in London uh, talking about being an evangelistic church, being a church that is just good uh, at speaking out uh, the, the good news of the gospel effectively into our community. Uh, and we need to... It's a challenge uh, in a culture like ours that knows less and less of the Christian faith, uh, just, just sort of alien uh, to so many, because uh, they've never had a chance to hear. Uh, and also in places, a, a culture that is, that, that is becoming more hostile to some of the things that the, the Christian faith believes in and stands for. Makes it a challenge. Uh, speaking out. Um, but hearing his ideas about uh, things, that we, things that he has found effective uh, in their church, ways of organizing church life, ways of, um, of encouraging people um, in the business of speaking out, I found very convicting, very challenging. Um, and it made me think we've got to do better here. Uh, we need to, to, to raise our game uh, in relation to that. Um, and then uh, there's a second uh, reason that um, this feels particularly um, pressing upon me at the moment um, and feels awkward, um, uh, kind of want to spare her blushes, but um, sometimes God gives extraordinary gifts uh, to people uh, in his family uh, in terms of the gift of, of evangelism. Uh, and one such person in our church community is Liz Waldock, uh, who has been blessed by God for a long, long time with an extraordinary capacity uh, to engage people and think with them 
uh, about the Christian faith. Um, and uh, most but not all will know that um, Liz is uh, in the final stages of uh, an illness with cancer. And I am very humbled and very challenged uh, to find that at this point, uh, one of the things that Liz is pressing on with is speaking to other people about Jesus. So just yesterday, um, uh, Liz was on the track of uh, one of Tim Keller's books because uh, there'd been a good conversation with the plumber or the carpenter, I'm not sure who, um, uh, explaining the resurrection to him. And the next stage was to get him Tim Keller's Prodigal God. So she was on the track of a, of a copy of that. Uh, and then she said, also, can I have, um, can, can you get hold of one of those, edition number nine of the word one-to-one, those little Bible studies uh, in John's Gospel uh, that are really great for going through with somebody who's never looked at a Gospel account before. Need, need, need issue number nine, because we've got to that far uh, with somebody else that I'm reading the Bible with to introduce them to Christ. Of course, um, in a sense, none of us know, um, but we certainly don't know how much longer uh, Liz is going to be pressing on with that. But I feel humbled and challenged uh, that that is what she is doing at this point. And it makes me think that some of us need to step up. Some of us need to discover uh, that God has given us that gift in the way that he's given it to Liz. And some of the rest of us will discover that we haven't got that gift, but we're going to do it anyway. In fact, probably most of us, uh, as we speak out this word of life. Uh, and then the second thing we're going to do is uh, think about our, um, our speaking out as a church community as a whole. Many will know that uh, church planting, church grafting is in the DNA of this church. We were a church graft, um, uh, 17 and a half years ago. And by God's grace, over the last 10 years, uh, we have been able to be involved in two further church graft plants, uh, St. John's Orchard Park, uh, and then more recently, Hope Church Chesterton. And, and that second initiative um, came about in a very particular way. We, 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 we were thinking we wanted to find some way of, of, of developing new church ministry um, and couldn't see a way forward. There were a group who lived over in the Chesterton area um, and they wanted to begin to meet and pray. So we began to do so on a regular basis. And in a way that none of us could have anticipated, God just opened a door, made Hope Church Chesterton possible, um, and, uh, and now a thriving ministry there. Um, in that community. Well, we're going to do it again. Uh, time for us to, to again, uh, give ourselves to prayer on a regular basis, specifically to ask, where might God have some new church growth for us? So that's going to be a feature of the next year. Thank you. Um, just thinking now about uh, prayer. I think talking to, to many people, the, the past 18 months, uh, at times prayer's been really, really hard. Not easy. It doesn't feel like it, it's flowing uh, for and for many people, hard work to keep going. I think one of the ways God has blessed us over this past year is that he has kept us praying. Uh, it has been encouraging uh, as we've gathered for, for Prayer 150 that numbers of you have kept coming along to that. It's been really well done. It's not easy on Zoom. We've not found that easy, but we've kept praying during that time with some, 
We've had some of our biggest attendances uh, at our monthly prayer meeting during this past 18 months. And it's, it's good that God has kept us uh, going with that and in our small groups as well, praying together. Uh, who knows? Who knows what we've been spared or the ways we've been blessed uh, by the Lord uh, as he's answered the prayers that he's kept us praying during this time. Uh, you think about some of the things uh, that have gone on over this past little while. You pause and think about that. There have been tense times for us as a church family even in this past year, decisions we've made, disagreements over things, things we've, we've had to work through. And you think about the prayers we've prayed and we've prayed regularly for unity in our church family, that God would keep us united and loving one another. And it was wonderful yesterday, our day out, to see people just loving being together. And as we gather on Sundays, answers to prayers. You think about our children and youth work. When everything meant that they couldn't meet together in person and we wondered uh, what would happen there. And we prayed and you, you think about Darren and the Sunday Club team or, or Scott uh, and the, uh, the youth team, all the creative ways that came to their minds and they were unable to do to, to meet online and, and do other things. It's been good that God has kept us uh, praying and, uh, and responding to those prayers um, and we need to keep going. That, that idea of the vision we, we set ourselves towards. We want to be a church family together that depends, that knows we depend on the Lord. And so pray together. It's easy to have that in mind. It's much harder when you've got to start praying. But we want to keep heading towards that. So, so nothing massively new in this. But a week after this one coming is going to be a week of prayer. Uh, we try and do this every year. We set aside a week where we gather together at various points. There's going to be lots of things in that week, uh, Monday to Friday. Lots of times we're going to encourage people to come into the building uh, to pray for some of these things, these vital signs we've been talking about. Uh, and then our prayer 150s uh, going forward, we want to keep that in our minds as we reset again that beyond our Sunday gatherings, that monthly time to meet together to pray is a big priority for us. When you're tired and you come home from work or you're home from school and it seems like one more thing to come to, you come along. Because we want to be a church that knows we depend on the Lord and that he does answer our prayers. There's some things from us. Steve.